Hey everyone, this is Ben Chapman. Thank you for listening to Luminous Church Podcast. It's always an honor that you would take time out of your day to listen to us. We hope that you would see Jesus more clearly today and that you would also be inspired to make a difference wherever you find yourself. Enjoy today's sermon and God bless you. Well, good morning. Good morning. Come on, man. It's good to see you in the house today. That worship got me fired up. If y'all didn't know, that was Tiffany Neely. She was a worship leader at our Every Nation Church in San Marcos for, for about eight or nine years. Lives in El Paso now. I tried to get her to live here and hasn't worked yet. So after service, if you all would just find Tiffany and, uh, and give her a donation and maybe she'll come and move here. And, be fantastic. We really enjoy that. Well, welcome. We're so excited that you're here this morning. If you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we'll be in just a moment this morning. We're going to start a two-part series um, th- this morning talking about every nation. What is every nation ministries? What is this group of churches that we're a part of? What does it look like and why does it matter for me? Because when you hear about a church and an organization that they're a part of, you kind of wonder, well, maybe that's just for the staff or maybe that's just for um, a certain group of people there. But I want to let you know that, that this ministry that we're we're a part of is for everyone, and there's a place for you in this ministry, and, and it's very important that we would just get an update on what it looks like, and so I hope that we would have a little bit of doctrine today of why church planning, why campus ministry, and then next week, why world missions as Megan Ulmer comes and shares a little bit about her experience in Turkey and Cyprus, and as she's been a missionary over there for the last six months, and we update you on some of our missionaries. I think it's going to be a good time over the next two weeks, and so, man, you made it. You made it through the rain this morning. Give yourself a hand for that. That was... I don't know if you slept last night, but I barely, I barely slept, and so that rain was powerful last night. When I, when I grew up in a church, I, I went to a small church called Mid-Cities. At the time, it was about, about 350 people or so, and it was a part of this group of churches called Every Nation Churches, and as I grew up there, I didn't really understand what that was necessarily, but every year they had a conference, and at this conference there would be these God moments and this God imparted visions into my life. Um, uh, God imparted dreams and speaking destiny and faith and challenging me as a young man to grow up in the faith. And they, you know, when you do a conference or a revival or anything like that, who's been a part of a conference or a revival or some big night? Okay, only a few of us. We need to do that more often. Praise God. Um, so. So as I went there, it's just a lot of worship, a lot of messages, a lot of moments of just defining in my life. And, and I grew up in that, and I grew up in this environment of, of everybody talking about missions, talking about church planning, and talking about reaching the world. As we were talking about reaching the world, it, it, it lined up with Scripture, and it was much of what Jesus said. And as we're a church, we exist to see Jesus clearly, that we want to see him in and through our lives. So we want to see him make a difference in and through our lives and in the lives of others that we come in contact with. Well, the greatest way that you can see Jesus moving on the earth is by starting a work that Jesus can only start, by starting a church, by starting a church in other places and, and seeing a church reach new people. And 
1999, the pastor of that small church, Mid-Cities, had grown the church to about 500, and he left to Jacksonville, Florida, because there a football player, Mark Burnell, got saved and was doing a Bible study, and he, he went down there to lead these Bible studies with the Jacksonville Jaguars and started a church there, South Point Community Church, and it's now over 1,600 people, and they're reaching people, and, and, and God's doing a tremendous things in Jacksonville, Florida, and, and when I got wind of that, here's my senior pastor, he's leaving us, and it almost feels sorrowful, right? Like when your senior pastor leaves you, the lead pastor leaves you, you're like, where is he going? But it, it was actually a joyous occasion for us because what happened is they brought in somebody else who was amazing and, and, and took the church from 500 to, to 1,200 and, and grew, grew our church there. And yet God was multiplying in Jacksonville. And so people were being reached that would have never been reached with the gospel if Russ didn't say yes and go and plant this church. And then we found in 2000, a, a, a young man or a, a man named J.R. Ruiz moved to Albuquerque, New Mexico. And here we were. We brought him on stage. We prayed for him. We sent him out and we said, go you know, make disciples and go start a church. And he, he was in that um, church. He just retired this year and handed over the church to a young man that he discipled who didn't know Jesus, got saved in the church, got discipled, started learning how to follow Jesus. And now this young man, Matt McDonald, now runs this church and they're running 400 people in Albuquerque, a, a very unreached city in the United States. And so we're reaching people there. So I heard these stories, and they started stirring me. And then my good friend, Megan Banus, her father, went to McKinney, Texas in 2004. And we prayed for him, brought him on stage, and said, go. And there he goes. He plants a church, and they start reaching people, and God starts moving in their life. And, and at that time, I was in college, and I would take trips up there to help set up in an elementary school. And, and, and it just was exciting and alive. And here's these new people coming to know Christ. And there we were on the farmland in McKinney, and we were baptizing people in horse troughs and sitting on uh, hay barrels. And, and it was just amazing. Amazing and watching what God was doing through planting churches. So I just want to let you know that every nation exists to plant churches. To plant churches. The missiologist uh, says this. Peter Wagner says that, that if, um, <clears throat> let me find out what he says because I don't want to butcher it. <laughs> says planting new churches is the most effective evangelistic methodology known under heaven. Planting churches is how we will evangelize the world. And it's this, for this reason, uh, uh, there's been many crusades and many revivals. God's done many things. We've seen the Billy Grahams and we've seen um, different revivals and crusades that started. And those are amazing works. But no work is established and no work lasts unless you have a church. The church establishes the work that is done as you evangelize in the city and the community throughout. And so as we plant churches and we go into new areas, we, we evangelize neighborhoods and we share the gospel in our workplaces and we introduce people to Christ. But we bring them into a church, into a community, because that's where you get established. That's where you actually learn about Jesus and get in the word. And, and it's, it, that's why we're not all about revivals. And we're not all about going into places on the mission trips without churches. We go where there are churches because we want people 
established because God cares about you being established in his church. You, you know the parable so well where seed is sown. Seed is scattered, right? And seed is scattered in different places. It's scattered on the road and there. The birds pick it up. It's scattered amongst thorns and thistles, and the, the, the ways of the world will choke it out, right? It's, sad, it's sown in all this, but the seed that is sown in fertile soil actually grows and produces fruit. And, and we, our prayer is to establish or plant churches that are fertile. That, that have this soil that, that people can just grow and flourish. In fact, it's our prayer, it's our great prayer, prayer that we would raise up people that would flourish and go beyond my ability. Go beyond your ability. That they would go further than we could ever go and start raising them up and sending out. And, and so I'm excited because Luminous Church is a part of planting churches and raising up leaders. We're a part of doing this. In Romans 8.31, it says this. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Planting churches is God's heart for people. You see, where there's people without churches, God's heart is saying, no, I'm for you, not against you. I'm, I'm going to be there in community. I'm going to come around you and come beside you. I'm going to help you know Jesus. It's going into these communities that don't have churches or, or, or these pockets of community in, in these urban areas where people aren't establishing churches and saying, hey, hey, God is for you. How, God is for me? Why? Because Luminous Church is here. God is for you because there's a people who care about you and love you and want to grow old with you and help establish you in the walk of faith. That is God's heart. God is for you. As we plant churches, it shows that God is for you, that he's not against you. Right now in the United States, we have 74 churches in every nation, 74 churches that have been planted, that have, that have shown cities that God is for people. And it's established those people. And as, as Luminous, we've helped sponsor some of these churches. Last year, or this year in 2019, we, we sponsor Julio Cerrone. Julio and Sylvia, they, they've established a lot of churches. And uh, I think the, the, sorry, Angel, the pictures are in downloads in the computer. Sorry about not putting those in. I, I want to introduce to you to Julio and Sylvia Cerrone. They started a church in Costa Rica, planted a church there. They moved to Monterrey, Mexico, established a church there where a doctor got saved with the gospel of Jesus that encountered him. He discipled that doctor. Now that doctor pastors that church bivocationally, and they're reaching the city of Monterrey. And now he's in San Luis Potosi, and he started his church this year, and he's reaching people. And, and, and you, as you give your tithes and offerings, help sponsor who Leo and Sylvia. We sponsor them and we, we invest in them. Uh, and the next person is my friend Leighton Lockett. And uh, the, the pastors in our region of Texas, we have churches in we have churches in Dallas, Austin, Houston, San Marcos, San Antonio, Abilene, and Midland. And we've been believing God for Lubbock, Texas, because Lubbock, Texas has Texas Tech University. All right, two of you. Um, praise God for that. Has, has uh, TTU there, and some people are excited about that. And so we've been praying for a church and a campus ministry there. And so Leighton, here's a picture of Leighton and his family. And they, they, they have five kids. 
and, and he, he feels like the oldest church planner in the world. But God put it on his heart to start planting a church. So we came around him, and he started doing life with us. And, and he moved to Lubbock, Texas, and moved his five kids there to start a church called Story Church. And there they're reaching people with the gospel in Lubbock. And it's so exciting what God's doing there. And, and we help support Leighton. We help s- support him and love him and, and, and champion him. And then early next year in 2020... There's another guy who we've come around and just partnered with. Brandy and I have personally partnered with him since 2011. He's a campus minister, and, and he's starting a church. In 2020, Shatter Can Caress Bell will be playing a church next year. So we're really excited about that. He, he played football at Texas State. They're, they're amazing. Yep, there you go. All right, Bobcats, whatever that is. And... Uh, <laughs> Lisa Lueveno over here. Come on, Lisa. Martinez, Martinez, come on. Lisa, the campus minister, um, was with our church for a little bit. She's here this morning, so a little shout out to her. And so Shadrach and Caress, they, they have a heart for urban Austin, downtown Austin. As you know, it's exploding in growth, and, and the, you just can't plant enough churches to reach all the people in this city. And so he'll be coming this fall to preach and share the vision of that church and what it looks like. But, but we're starting to sponsor him and starting to start plant this church. Why, why do I tell you all this? Because... I, I, New churches reach new people, and we're a part of a ministry called Every Nation that plants churches to reach people, because we feel like that's our gospel mandate. This is what God's called us to do, and as we raise up church planters, we also raise up leaders. So y'all know that J. Tom Snelson came and helped us plant church here. He started raising his partnership, and now he's a missionary back in Midland, Odessa, Texas, where he started a young professional ministry and, and is reaching people with the gospel there. Jared Gallardo, who's in, in the Air Force, he was here for four years, and as he was here, we saw the call of God on his life. We grabbed him, we started discipling him, started growing with him, and then we prayed for him, we licensed him, and now he's in Guam where he got transferred, and he's, he's leading in a church there doing incredible things, and we're excited for that. We have our campus ministers here. We have Austin Fontenot, who's our campus director, which is awesome. And Jaren Templeton, who just, come on, excited for her. They, they raised their partnership to reach the college campus. I'm going to talk about why that's important in just a moment. So you're like, are we at a business meeting this morning? Well, maybe. Maybe we are, you know. But, but I, I, I hope that you get the heart that I have for the campus and planning churches. I hope you get that heart this morning. Um, so we, we've been seeing people, commissions and license and raising up pastors and being able to pour into them so that we could send them to the ends of the earth to either plant or help churches that are being planted. And that's our, that's our goal. It's our, it's our mission. It's what God has for us and our church. You see, in Acts chapter 2, 41 through 47, it says this. Those who accepted his message, this was Peter after he proclaimed the gospel in Acts chapter 2 were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's a, that's a big revival. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is very important because when you preach the gospel, as the gospel is being proclaimed, you don't just preach it, lead them in a prayer of salvation, and then leave them. 
You invite them into community. You invite them to do these four things that they would sit under the apostles' teaching or the teaching of the word of God. They would sit under this teaching and that they would learn and grow from it. That they'd be devoted to this relationship and community that, that, that we could take care of each other's need. If you aren't in relationship, how would you ever know the need of somebody in this room? If you don't establish some kind of community, you may not know their need and no one will know your need unless you invest. If you don't invest, no one will know that you're even hurting. No one will even know that you need prayer. No one will even know that you have need this morning. I want to just say, you know, I have a good friend, uh, Dylan Todd. He was in my youth ministry. He got saved as an eighth grader in my youth ministry because another kid brought him to my youth ministry. He grew up in, in, the, in my youth ministry, and he brought all his family to church. His family gets saved. His dad later gets saved and gets baptized. And, and this morning, I got a text that, that his father actually passed away of cancer this morning, finally passed away this morning. And, and I was just, during worship, just grieved, right? Because as, as that happens, you're grieved. And my heart broke for him. But I was also rejoicing that he invested in community. He invested in the local church. And as you do that, God doesn't want to just reach you, but he wants to reach your family. As a result, Perry gave his life to Jesus, is now with the Father, now in heaven. doing. doing I just had a vision of him this morning just dancing before the Lord. And so it's just amazing what God does. So when you get established in community, invest, watch what God does not only in you, but through you for somebody else. Watch what he does. It's going to be incredible. They broke bread together. And it's why we do break bread every Sunday. And you may wonder, why, why are we reading the same verse every Sunday? Why this liturgy over here? Why this litur liturgical rhythm? It's because we need to keep breaking bread together to keep remembering what Christ has paid for, what he has done. And as we remember him, we grow in him and together. And that's why we do that every Sunday. It's because that's what they did in the early church and it establishes something and then prayer. Verse 43, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, this is what happens is as the gospels preached in Acts 2 and people respond to the gospel, then they're established in churches that are being planted as a result of the people being saved. Does that make sense? And so we have a mission to evangelize our community so that more people get saved, so that more people can be added, and more, chance, more churches are planted. This is God's mission and heart for us. This is what he wants from us. So every nation came together because of three men, Rice Brooks, Steve Merle and Phil Bonasso came together, and they basically came together because they said, hey, we need to plant churches, and we, need to, we care about the campus, and we need to do world missions. We, we need to do these three things. And they came together because they said, I can do more with you than I can do alone. And that's an important principle that we read about in the Bible is that you can do more with others than you can by yourself. 
It's why God hasn't called us into isolation, but he's called us into the church. Because as a church, we can do more together in the city than we could if you were just out on your own. We, read the, we, we, we are inspired by these three guys who started our movement, who humbled themselves, submitted themselves to one another and said, let's go. Let's go together because God can do great things with, with a group of people, a team, than he can more than an individual. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 10 reminds us of that. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. It's why I wasn't about starting a church that wasn't associated with any other churches. Because if I fall, who's going to pick me up? And if, if they fall, who's going to pick them up? I'm, I'm so thankful that we're in a, a movement to encourage one another, to build each other up, to realize, hey, man, you don't have to do it on your own. I know you've had a hard time, a hard season. Believe it or not, pastors have hard times and hard seasons. Man, I was so thankful this past week that 14 guys showed up to my house and helped me move, you know, because I was going to fall down when that furniture hit me. I was thankful for that. It's good to have multiple people together. So we're about this. We're about planting churches. So what, what's the values of this movement of churches? What the values of every nation? 2 Timothy 1.14 says, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. As a result of guarding something, you have to have values. And you know this. We, we talk about it often. Is In your family unit, you need values. As a single person, you need values. If you don't have values as a single person, you'll be led by the emotion, and your emotion will supersede the lack of values. Your emotion will be the value. That's a dangerous thing because our emotions can lead us to some very dark places. Our emotions can lead us to a place that we don't want to go. So values help guard the deposit that God has put in you. Values in your family. Every family needs values. I encourage you. I implore you to get away with your spouse and start praying about what does our family stand for? What are the values that we're going to live by? What are the values we're going to impart into our children? It will keep you rooted and it will guard the thing that you're building. It will guard the culture. The first value we see in every nation is lordship. Lordship, Colossians 2, 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. This is something we say often, lordship. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is the king of your life. Jesus is the king. He supersedes anything, any other authority in your life. Any, any boss, any political figure or political party. He will supersede anything that you are worshiping, that I'm going to worship King Jesus. He'll be the Lord of your life. When he's the Lord of your life, then it's easier to obey him. It's easier to be in the right step with him. The second value is evangelism. Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Came to seek and save the lost. And we are passionate in every nation about evangelism. We're passionate about looking for those who don't know Jesus and introducing them into a relationship with Jesus. 
We're so passionate about it that we've developed tools like the God test. We've developed one verse of evangelism and started discipling that and discipling different strategies and do trainings because we want to empower you to evangelize. We want to empower you to share the gospel. It's the hardest thing. Evangelism isn't natural, is it? It's not natural to just share your faith. Uh, maybe it is for some of you. Some of you, it's pretty easy. But I want to just let you know right now, it's not natural for me. It's not natural for your pastor to go up to somebody and just start talking about Jesus and introduce them into a relationship. I'd rather talk about the Spurs. I'd rather talk about, you know, my house or their house. I'd rather talk about business and finances. I'd rather talk about something like that. So we have to train this spiritual muscle to overcome the fear of man. Because, right, the reason we wouldn't share the gospel is because we're afraid on the way that they will respond to us. It's often the biggest barrier. Will they still be my friend? Well, well, it doesn't really matter. Jesus will reach them. He'll reach them. He wants them. He loves them. He'll reach them. But God wants to use you to reach them. He wants to use you in your testimony. He wants to use you. He, he wants to help include you as, as he's reaching them. He wants to include you so that you can help reach them as well. The next value is discipleship. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. And this is the verse that we should all know. And if you don't know it, I encourage you to go memorize it. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. As you go and you evangelize, it's not enough just to share your story. You have to actually invest your life into them. That's another barrier. Okay, I got the spirit man. Okay, I shared my story. What? I have to invest my life into that person? Yes, you do. You have to open your own home. You have to open your arms. You have to teach them to follow Jesus so that they can evangelize and teach somebody else to follow Jesus. They're not going to stay in your home forever if you do a good job. But if you become Jesus for them and salvation for them, oh, they'll never leave you. They'll never leave you. And as soon as you mess up, they'll walk away from the faith because they saw you as king instead of Jesus as king. But if you start showing them that Jesus is king and how to follow them, then they'll want to tell other people. And that's the multiplication process and how the church is going to grow as we make disciples. The last or, or two more values is leadership. We value leadership in every nation. And the things you have heard me say, 2 Timothy 2.2. In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. That there is this leadership aspect where we have to start leading others. Do you realize that you, all of us are leaders in this room? All of you are leaders. All of us are influencing somebody. That's all leadership is, is influence. And all you influence somebody. The question is, how are you living your leadership? How are you walking it out? Are you leading well? Are you leading them to Jesus? And lastly, family. We value family here. Psalm 127, 1 and 3. Unless the Lord builds a house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Children are a heritage from the Lord. Offspring, a reward from him. Here we see this moment where the Lord's going to build his house and he cares about the next generation. 
He cares about children. He cares about, that, that's why we try and thrive to have the greatest kids ministry as possible. I was talking to a new family this morning and, and I was ensuring them that, that our kids facility is amazing and it's safe and it's awesome. And we preach the gospel in there and we pray over them. And it's amazing. And, and we have to say that because children matter. This next generation matters. We care about the next generation in this movement of churches. And that's why every time we plant churches, we try to plant them next to a university because we care about college campuses. Rice Brooks wrote the, this, this manifesto, this manifesto. And so basically a manifesto will keep, keep it moving from generation to generation. He wrote the campus manifesto. I want to share its eight points and one verse and then we'll close. So here, here we have the campus manifesto. We believe in local churches. We believe in the community, multi-generational, diversity. We love what God's doing here. But here's what we care about the campus. Number one, the future leaders of society are on our campuses. Every president, senator, congressman, CEO, most CEOs, judges, <laughs> lawyers, all of them went through a university. All of them went through a college campus. So we know that the future leaders are right there at UTSA. The future leaders are right down the street at UIW and Trinity and SAC and Nueva Vista. The future leaders are on the college campuses in this city, and that's why we must go to the college campuses. We have to reach college students. Second, major movements, bad or good, start on the campus. Atheism started on the campus. Feminism started on the campus. Marxism started on the campus. It starts on the campus. Will, will Christen, Christendom start on the campus and move in greater ways? Will, will Christ be glorified on the campus? This is where movements happen on the university campus. Number three, the majority of those who become Christians do so as students. The majority of those who give their life to Jesus do so before their 25th birthday. That means that, that they're, they're making decisions and formulating, and you know it, it, it it's semi-psychological, right? As our mind begins to adapt and move and shape, and we form neurons and pathways and belief systems and do all that. And, and by the time you're 25, you're pretty much developed, and it's really hard to think new ways. And this is, this is even scientific. It's really, really hard. So, so it's imperative that we move in there and, and that we share the gospel and we share who Jesus is in these formative years. And then we begin to walk them in the ways of Christ. The fourth is international students impact their nations. The top 1% of countries come to the United States to get educated. The top 1%. If we're going to reach nations... The greatest mission field will be on the campus to reach those top 1% on the campus and start giving, um, start giving all that we can so that they may know the gospel. The values on campus become the values in society. Morality, philosophy, every, every, every value that we have, it, it's established in the university. And as you know, there's a lot of professors who have maybe some skewed viewpoints or not a biblical Christian view on society and morality and all those things. They have a different agenda. And as they're educating, some of their agenda and philosophy is spilling out upon our students. 
And so we have to engage them with a biblical worldview of what God has said and what God has established. Number six, the most available and trainable groups of people are on our campuses. Number seven, when we reach a student, we reach a family. And I explained this with Dylan. As we reach Dylan, we reached his family. As we reach other students on the campus, you're going to see their family be reached. I want to let you know that God cares very much about families. He cares very much about family. If somebody in your family is saved, watch out. Because it's just a matter of time before you fall suit. Because God cares about family. Number eight, God promised to pour out his spirit on sons and daughters. Acts 2, 17. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. That God cares about this next generation. He's going to pour out his spirit upon them. So let's go and let's tell them about Jesus and watch how the Holy Spirit floods them and starts giving them dreams and visions. Dreams to change their environment. Visions to grow up and change the political climate. Visions to change their family tree. Visions to change the world. Visions to plant churches and visions to start businesses that would be God-centered and God-fearing and God-honoring. Visions that would give people the ability to be generous so that they can plant churches. Dreams and visions will come to our sons and daughters. And as we, as we believe this promise and go after the campus, we're going to see God do a work in them and through them. You see, God cares about planting churches, and he cares about the next generation. He loves the next generation. Romans 5a says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. As we plant churches, it's God's heart for the sinners. It's God's heart for those who are far from him. As we plant churches, we're proclaiming the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ paid the price and penalty for their sin, that he gave his life as a ransom freely upon a cross so that they wouldn't have to experience death, but they could experience life. You see, as the church is planted and as the campus ministry is started, we're proclaiming that good news on the campus in other cities. This is what God's called us to do as a movement of churches. This is why we exist and why we're part of every nation. Would you stand with me this morning? And I just want to ask you a question. As you're standing, we're going to have a, a one last worship song. If you wouldn't mind, though, would you bow your head and close your eyes as I just ask you a question and some, some thoughts. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I just want to ask you a quick question. Although it's a quick, simple question, it could be a question that defines your life and changes your life forever. The question is this, have you ever submitted to Jesus as King? Have you ever given your life to Jesus? Have you ever surrendered and said, I'm tired of being King of my life and I want Jesus to be King of my life. I want to give my life to Him and fully to Him. And you want to do that today and you haven't done that, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you this morning? that's anybody in here this morning well Jesus I thank you so much father for who you are God and we thank you 
for just your gospel message. We thank you for church plants. And we thank you for campus ministry. And God, I pray that Luminous Church would be a part of more. And God, everybody in here is discipling and raising up leaders and future church planners and future campus ministers and future leaders. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give us your heart for people. Lord, you are always for us. You are for us and not against us. Luminous is a reminder of that. Our small groups are a reminder of that. Our discipleship groups are a reminder of that. You are for us, not against us. We love you. Everybody said amen.